Luke chapter 18. Now he, speaking of Jesus, was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection for my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even if, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your word. We honor your word. Now, Holy Spirit, would you speak that word? Would you teach that word to each heart, just what each one needs to hear? Lord, we love you, and we trust you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message today is Moms That Don't Give Up. Now, you're, if you're a man here, you're like, well, what about us? Okay, there, there's going to be plenty in this message that a man can draw from. Um, but certainly, I know that every son wants to see their mom strengthened. And I know that every husband wants to see their wife get blessed because of the axiom, happy wife, happy life. And so there's, there's plenty in here for men. You might not get it directly, but you're, you're going you're gonna to be blessed. <clears throat> so first, I want to just talk about the context of what Jesus is saying. Um, somebody in time made those chapter divisions. There is no chapter division in the original Greek. And what this is, in, in, in the end of chapter 17, what's, what's happening is the Pharisees have asked Jesus a question about the kingdom of God. Is this the time that the kingdom of God is going to come? And Jesus said, no, it's not coming outwardly right now. It's going to come within people's hearts. And then he goes on to say that it is going to come fully. It's going to come. uh, Here's how the son of man is going to come. It's going to be like the days of Lot and the days of Noah. One will be taken, another will be left. It is all in the context of the kingdom that is here, but it is right now internal and invisible. It's not coming without word sense. God's not cleaning everything up right now. This is, this is going to be a difficult time. Even though the kingdom has been inaugurated, it's not going to be completed until my return. And so during this time, people are going to, are going to have two choices, basically. You're either going to become a person of prayer or you're going to, at some point, lose heart. This is going to be a difficult time. The time that you are in, the time that is coming up, is going to be a time where you're going to have to develop a relationship with God of prayer, or you're going to end up becoming very discouraged. So moms that don't give up, number one, don't give up on God. Here's what Jesus is saying in that last verse, or last two verses. He says, listen, God is good, and he's going to hear the prayers, and he's going to bring justice, and he's going to do good things. But when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus said this, listen. I know the Father. I know his love. I know his faithfulness. He will always be good. There's no question mark on the God side. Here's where the question mark is on your side. 
What am I going to find? It says in John 2, 24 and 25, that Jesus, many believed in Jesus, but Jesus wasn't entrusting himself to any of them because he knew what was in a man. He knew he didn't need anybody else to testify. He knew the deceitfulness in people's hearts. Here's what Jesus is saying. There is no question mark on God's side. He's always going to be good. He's always going to be faithful. The question mark is on man's side. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? He will persevere with you. Are you going to persevere with him? Don't give up on God. He gives in this text something that he likes to do. It's the lesser, greater argument. So he used something lesser to compare it to something greater. And in this situation, it's this unjust judge. So you got this judge who's horrible. He, he doesn't care for the widow. He doesn't care for justice. Why, why is he a judge? I want to know that. All he cares about is his own little personal happiness. And, but this widow keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. And even though he really doesn't care for her or that she gets justice, he, he's like, she's going to wear me out by coming. So I'm going to grant the request. I'm going to give her the justice he's asking. And Jesus says, listen, if this is how it is with an unjust judge, then how much more for the father who is the author of justice? Abraham said, will not the God of the whole, the judge of the whole earth, do what is right? For crying out loud, folks, this is why you even care about justice. It's because you're in the image of God. That's why we care about justice. God is just. God cares about justice. This guy is unconcerned for the widow. God loves you. God is committed to you. How much more is God going to hear the prayers and answer the prayers of the elect who cry out to him day and night? The lesser, greater argument. Jesus uses this a few chapters earlier also about prayer. And in this one, it's in Luke 11. A friend comes to a friend at midnight for, for bread, and, and he's got nothing to give him, but, but he's got access to a rich friend. And so he goes to his house at midnight, and he knocks on the door of his rich friend, and the friend answers back, go away, we're sleeping. And he says, but you don't understand. I've got a friend. I, I, I need bread, and I know you've got bread, and I, I don't have bread. And, and he's like, no, go away. And, but, and he won't get up. Even though he's his friend, he won't give up. But he won't stop knocking. And he says, because of his persistence, he got up and gave him all he needs. And then Jesus proceeds to say this. That is just a wealthy friend for a friend. How much More will your father, not just a friend, your father in heaven, give Matthew good things, Luke, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask and continue to ask, those who press in, those who uh, go in. God is good. God hears prayer. Do not give up on God. He's not this wealthy friend who could do something, but it's kind of irritated by your request. Kind of bothered by your request. Are you kidding me? You're going to wake me up for that. Friends, you need to understand something. Psalm 46.1 says this, he, he is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. God is not irritated by your request, no matter how small it is. He is not unconcerned about your trouble, even though it may seem like, what is this compared to the third world and and people that have real problems? And, you know, God, I'm not going to bother God. Listen, God's not bothered. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. This is where we get to know him, is we work through trouble with God. God helps us. God gives us wisdom. God gives us provision. He wants us to bring our problems to him. God is not sleeping. Listen to Isaiah 40, 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. 
and his understanding no one can fathom. We were at somebody's house, and I read this on the refrigerator. Give God your problems. He's going to be up all night anyway. He never sleeps. He can actually do stuff during the night while you're sleeping. Why should you stay up all night worrying when God's going to be up anyway? God is faithful. Don't give up on God. God is faithful. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I wrote it. I rewrote it for moms. Now, there is a word in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that is a little confusing because sometimes that word is translated temptation and other times it's translated test. Same word. It's the same Greek word. It's it's translated both temptation and test. And it's several times in this verse. And so the question is, is which one is it? Is it temptation or is it test? And here's the answer. Both. Life's difficulties, the things that happen to us that God has allowed are a temptation from Satan who wants to destroy you. And they're allowed as a test from God who wants to use the very same thing to purify you and to, listen, promote you. When you pass a test, what happens? You get promoted. You go to the next grade. So here it is. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 13 for moms. There is no temptation or test that has overcome you except that which is common to moms. And God is faithful, who will not allow moms to be tempted or tested beyond what they are able, but with the temptation or test will provide the way of escape also, so that moms will be able to endure it and pass it. My mom was a very strong woman. She went to be with the Lord last October, not this, a year ago, October. Very strong woman. Came through many, many things. Six children. Um, when, uh, when our family was young, my dad's paper was failing, and so there were all kinds of financial things, and she was just a rock with God. Her and God were, were, were solid, and she was funny because I, I, she's a teacher, but she's so strong and so opinionated that I could not teach her anything about God. I mean, it was just like, no, nope, I've got my own relationship. And it was her own, her, she had her own little agreement with God of how she related to him. And uh, my dad died in 1991 and my mom came through like a trooper. Her and God came through and, and she just drew into God and was comforted by God and, and her and God made it through 1991. But then 2000 came. 2000, in, in the year 2000, my sister Sheila was 44 years old and she died of cancer. And my mom went dark. She went very dark. She became angry at God. She never didn't believe in God. She was angry at God and she stopped talking to God for a season. She still went to church. You know why she went to church? To remind God that she wasn't talking to him. you know what? God is faithful. And God gave her the way. He provided the way to get through that time. Here's what happened. My mom, Mrs. Independence, became part of this grieving group. And it was a faith-based. It was from her church. It was, a, it was a, a support group for grieving people. And God gave her a place where she didn't have to talk directly to him, but she could talk to people of faith about her anger, about her pain, and they helped her process that. And God God brought her through. By the time she died a year ago, October, it it was beautiful. I got to be there at the end. We got to talk together as she held my hand about the streets of gold, about Jesus' forgiveness, about heaven that was waiting. She made it because God is faithful. 
even when we struggle, even when it goes dark, even when we think, God, this is beyond what I could do. If you are in a situation, Mom, right now, where you think, no, no, this test is beyond what I can deal with. There's too much. It's coming from all directions. It's coming from here. It's coming from there. It's coming from this. It's overwhelming. Listen. The reason why it's so hard is because God wasn't just seeing you go through it. He was seeing you go through it with him. This is where you draw in. This is where he shows you the way. There's always a way. There's always a provision. There's always God's way to bring you through. But sometimes we actually, we're very proud and independent people. We have to be forced into that place of saying, all right, God, help me. Please help me. And he will help you because God's always good. And he's always faithful. Don't give up on God. Point two. Don't give up on your prayers. Jesus says, don't give in when you pray to your feelings. He is describing what it's going to feel like. When you pray, it's going to feel like God is saying, I don't care. Go away. I, I, I'm not interested. That's what it's going to feel like. This is going to, you're going to experience these emotions. It's going to seem like he doesn't care. You're, you're this widow begging and God is, is unconcerned, unconcerned for you, unconcerned for your situation. This is the warfare we're in. You're going to have to push through those feelings. Just because you feel that does not mean it's true. You need to remember who God is. It is true. He is true. He hears prayer. He is concerned about you. Here is our biggest issue with God. Jesus says, will not God give justice quickly to those who cry out to him day and night? Now, here's our problem with God. The word quickly. God's definition of quickly is different than ours. For instance, Jesus said, behold, I will come, I will re- come soon. Has anybody noticed he's not here yet? He said that 2,000 years ago. He's not here yet. So this is an issue. Our, our definition is different than God's definition of quickly. I want us to look at 1 Peter 5 together. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. His mighty hand. Whenever the Bible describes his hand, it's an anthropomorphism that God's got power to do anything. He can do anything. Whatever you got going, he can do it. He is mighty. His hand is mighty. But you and I have to humble ourselves before him. And look at this. That he may lift you up in due time. That, we've talked about that word, time there. Due time. It's, it's one Greek word, kairos. And it means God's time. God has a timing that's different than ours. And this is what humility is. As long as you give God a timetable... Do you see that you're still in charge? Do you see that humility is not saying that? Pride is saying that. Pride is saying this is, God, this is how I want you to do it, and this is when I want you to do it, and I'm watching. It's pride. You're still in control. You're trying to manipulate God. It's not going to work. God will not be manipulated. So we humble ourselves under his mighty hand, with confidence that in due time, in his timing, I'm, it's going to be answered. I'm going to be lifted up. There's going to be the breakthrough that I've been praying for. Then this is, this is painful because here's what, here's what humbling yourself looks like. Casting all of your anxiety upon him because he loves you. So when you're still anxious about, when you've prayed about something, but you're still worrying about it, that's called pride. 
Pastor Tom, why is, why is being anxiety anxious about something prideful? Here's why. You're still in control. You, you know why you're anxious? Because you can't do anything. <laughs> you got a problem and you can't do anything. So it makes you very anxious. And you still have it. Even though you talk to God about it, you still have it. You got to cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Perfect love casts out all fear. His perfect love. God, you love me. God, you answer prayer. So I give you my anxiety. I cast my anxiety upon you in humility. And in humility, I know rest. I rest in you. This is the culture of the kingdom of God. The problem is the, the kingdom of God, to live in the kingdom of God, you've got to live in shalom. You've got to live in God's peace. God's sense of well-being, in the, even in the midst of this world that's going crazy where there's all kinds of unsolved problems, we walk in the peace of God now. This is what our bodies were made for. This is what our souls were made for. When you try to live in anxiety day after day after day, it takes a horrible toll on your emotions and on your physical body. This is all scientifically proven. Folks, we were meant to live in God's shalom. And so we need to, well, Pastor Tom, I've got a problem with anxiety. Okay, I don't care if you do it more than once a day. You cast it upon him and you got peace and that lasted for 10 minutes. All right, then pray again. But press in, press in. I am going to live in the peace of God. I'm going to cast my cares upon him. I'm going to humble myself before a mighty God and I'm going to wait for his timing and I am not going to get pouty. I'm not going to get angry and I'm not going to tell him what to do. I am so excited that there's like one person in here that's saying amen somewhere. (laughs) Praying. Don't give up on your prayers. Praying in Jesus' name. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. I had a mom come to me after I did a devotional on this text and she said, oh my, I finally understand what this, what this verse means. And I, I thought, instead of me explaining what my devotional was, I would, I'll just read it to you. This is, this is the devotional I had on this verse. There is fullness of joy in partnering with God. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray on behalf of his interests, kind of like the ambassadors of a country. An ambassador transacts business for the country they represent with the full backing and authority of the place they were sent from. Jesus has sent us into the world, John 17, 18, and he wants us to know that all of heaven is behind us as we seek to honor him. In the text above, Jesus tells us where assurance in prayer will come from, using his name. When we pray in our own name, we base our confidence on how deserving or undeserving we feel we are, and that's usually based on how we're feeling that day or on how we have performed recently. This is a recipe for doubt. If I have to achieve a certain spiritual feeling or live a life that deserves God's blessing, I will never have full assurance in prayer. But if my access has nothing to do with me, but only about how good Jesus is and how complete his sacrifice was for me on the cross, then it becomes easy to believe. Peter said, I do not possess silver or gold, but what I have, I want to give you. In Jesus' name, rise up and walk. God wants us to possess Jesus' name in, and our position in this world as his ambassadors. He wants every one of us to know the joy of partnering with him every day. We are called to nothing less. Why would we be praying for justice? Pastor Tom, we need mercy. I don't want justice for my kids. I want mercy. Okay, you're looking at it wrong. You're, just, you're looking at the whole thing wrong. See, we start with this, that Jesus came and he died. He redeemed the human race. He's already paid for them. So your children, your grandchildren, they've all been paid for. If you see it from God's perspective, your kids getting saved is justice. <laughs> your, your grandchildren getting saved is justice. Justice means that Jesus gets what he paid for. 
So we got a group of, of, of moms. My wife is one of them. And what they, what they do with each other is they have made crafted prayers for each other. Let me tell you how a crafted prayer works. Instead of this is the need and you telling God what you need, you bring the need before God and say, God, what do you want to do in this situation? What, what's on your heart? What do you want to do for your own, for our good, but for your glory? What do you want to do? And then you craft the prayer that God gives you. Because God needs a human being on earth to come into agreement. And then you press in with that prayer. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. As you have planned it. As you have wanted it. We are your ambassadors. We are bringing the kingdom of God to this earth. It changes the perspective to God, what can you do for me? To God, what do you want to do for the sake of Jesus? And it turns out that what God wants to do for human beings is actually way more than we would say we need. God, God's heart is full of the human race. And so when you come at it from that perspective, prayer is, there's authority there. There's authority. We're coming into agreement with a good God who wants to do good things for our families, for our, our, our churches, for our health, for our future. We are, we're, we're hearing God's heart, and then we're, we're partnering with him in prayer for what he wants to bring about on this earth. So I was in a prayer meeting recently, and... A mom was sharing about a daughter that she's praying for. And this daughter, who grew up in church and knows all the right things, has been uh, running away from God and running even faster away from God. And she's sharing this, and, I mean, and she's not sharing it in a negative way, just this is what she's been praying about, and this is the situation. And this guy next to her has a vision. And here's what he said. He said, I see, your, I see Jesus standing next to this treadmill that your daughter is on. Jesus is right next to her. And she's on this treadmill trying to get away from him. And he says, and he's just saying, go ahead. if you want to put it on faster and run faster, go ahead. But no matter how long you have it on, no matter how fast this thing's going, I'm going to be right here. I'm waiting for you to get tired. But I'm not going anywhere. He's just smiling. He's just like, go ahead, run. Go, 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 go. This is what it's like when you have given your children to God, when you've given your grandchildren to God, when you've given your great-grandchildren to God. Can, can, they, can they run? Yeah, they can run away. They'll never get away from Jesus. They're never going to get away. They're never, he's going to stand right there until they're tired. And then he's going to say, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come on, let's do this. A couple of weeks ago in prayer meeting, Nidhi Aris uh, shared, Nidhi Aris is an elder here from Puerto Rico, and she shared about the miracle that's happened with her dad. And I asked her if I could share the story, and she said she gave me permission and gave me some more details. So um, since Nidhi Aris was five years old, her dad stopped going to church, and 20, over 25 years, he's not gone to church, not had any interest in church, and no, no interest in God, to the point where Nidiaris, who is an intercessor, I mean, she is a mighty warrior for prayer, but she had given up on her dad. She's just like, God can save anybody, but not my dad. He's just too, I know him too well, and he's too far gone, and so she just, she just told us, I just gave up praying for my dad. But her mom, who's also an intercessor, never gave up on her dad. All these years praying, persisting for her husband to come to know the Lord. Three years ago, he moved out. He moved to a house across the street. Even though they're still friends, he moved out of the house. And she kept praying. So this is just a few months ago. It's Sunday morning. Nidiaris is getting prayer for something completely unrelated. And the person says, I feel like God has a word for you. And here's the word. 
He wants you to know that he has not forget, forgotten the people that you have back in Puerto Rico and that he's doing something for the people back in Puerto Rico. And she's like, I don't even know why that would be on God's heart, but, you know, whatever. So she, she's leaving church. She gets a text from her mom. She says, I'm going to call you and tell you a story, but you're going to have to sit down to, to, to grasp this story. So she gets home, and her mom says, here's what happened with your father this morning. I was getting ready to go to church. There's a knock on the door. He asks if he can go to church with me. Miracle number one. Miracle number two. They're at church. There is prayer for people who need healing. He turns to her and says, can I, can I go up there and get prayer for healing? And she's like, yeah, go ahead. And so they go up, and he gets prayer for healing. Miracle number three, end of the service. It's time for salvation. He turns to her again and says, I think I'm going to go up there and get saved. <laughs> Don't give up on your prayers. So there's a movie out right now called Breakthrough. We just saw it last week. I'm now going to ruin the movie for you. Um, but amazing true story. Um, in 2015 in St. Louis, a 14-year-old boy goes through the ice. His name is John Smith. He falls through the ice, and uh, they can't. He's, he's with three friends. The other two get saved. They can't save him. And he has been under the ice for 15 minutes when these guys go just really to retrieve the body because no one can last that long. And, uh, and it's just like looking for a needle in a haystack. And so they go out and they're just about to give up. And one of the firefighters, who is an atheist, thinks that his chief tells him to go back and exactly where to look because he hears an audible voice. Chief says, never said anything. He goes back, tries one more time, and pulls up this boy. They rush him to the hospital, to the emergency room. He does not have a pulse for one hour. No pulse for an hour. They have done everything. They've shocked him. They've done every possible thing to awaken him. And they, they, they shut it down. They come out to the mom. They say, we're going to just give you a few moments with your son. She goes in there. Her name is Joyce. And she is a prayer warrior. This son was in a rebellious place, was doing his own thing, was far from God, far from... And she gets into that room, and she starts praying. And she starts begging. And she starts... It was an adopted son. And she starts pleading with God for her son. And all of a sudden, the, the machine starts beeping. And there's a pulse... The, the doctor hears it. They rush back in. They, they, they do all this stuff because he's now got a pulse. And, and then it's stage two. They explain to her, listen, because they've got the, the, top, the top guy in the country on drownings is there. And he comes in, and he sees the, what's going on, and he says this, listen, there is a 1% chance that your son is going to make it overnight, and if he does make it, he'll be a vegetable. 16 days later, John Smith walked out of that hospital completely healed. The, do the, doctor's, the doctor's report simply said this. Boy drowned. Mom prayed. Miracle happened. There was nothing, there was nothing else to say. So it's a true story. I watched the uh, YouTube of Fox News interviewing the boy. Um, and, uh, he did not get saved at that time. It was another year and a half before he got saved. Now he's preparing for ministry, but God heard a mom's prayer. Mom, don't give up on God and don't give up on your prayers. Point three, we're, we're going around the final lap here. Moms, don't give up on yourself. A certain widow came, and in that culture, a widow had nothing and no rights. And the only asset she had was begging. Here's what Jesus wants you to know, Mom. You're not a widow. You're a beloved bride. You're a favored bride. 
in the days of Esther. Esther was an orphan who became the chosen bride of the king of Persia. And even though she was a bride, and even though she had been given that position, and even though there was a tremendous need in the land because the enemy was trying to destroy the Jewish people, she lacked confidence. And Mordecai, her uncle, said, we need you to go into your husband. We need you to, to plead for the life of your people. And she says, listen, I, I, I can't. There, there is a rule that you can't go into the king unless he invites you. And the, ju- the judgment is death if you go in uninvited. There is a special rule that if he extends the scepter of favor, then it's, it's okay and you can break the rules. But she says, you pray for me for three days. You fast for me. I will pray and fast. And then I will go in. And if I perish, I perish. And, I perish. and she, she goes in three days later. And when the king sees her, he is so overwhelmed that he says this. He extends that scepter of favor. And he says this, Esther, ask whatever you want, and I'll give it to you up to half the kingdom. I, I, I just... You, you move me. You emotionally move me. But this is very, very hard for us to grasp because oftentimes moms feel overlooked, unappreciated, taken for granted, like we're the one that does a thousand hidden things that, we, that no one ever acknowledges. And that's how we're treated by, by the people that love us in this world. And it's just very easy to move that over to God, that this must be kind of how God, listen, God's nothing like that. God sees everything you're doing. He sees not just your failed actions. He sees that right intention, that you want to please him, that you want to honor him, that you're trying to do good for your family. You want to do good. He sees what is coming on. Oftentimes on this earth, all we see is the failed action or the incomplete action, and it it brings judgment and criticism. You should have done it this way, should have done that way. But God looks beyond that to the heart, to what you are aiming for. And you capture his heart. His emotions are filled for you, moms. He wants you to come and know that you have an audience with him. Guys, this is why Jesus came. Jesus came. He shed his blood. It's a perfect sacrifice. He is our high priest. He lives now to be our high priest. Therefore, therefore, come with confidence before the throne of grace. It is not a throne of judgment. It is a throne of grace that you can receive help in your time of need. You can receive mercy and grace in your time of need. Sometimes moms feel like God's against them, like God's judging them, like all God thinks about is how to make their life more different. Listen, that's not what's on his heart. David said this, you brought me out to a spacious place. You rescued me because you delighted in me. You are the delight of God. This is how he thinks about you. You were created and redeemed to be his delight and to find your delight in him. This is who you are. You just need to have the confidence to take that place before God. Finally, and I'll wrap up with this. Spiritual self-care. So I've been on a lot of planes and they give the exact same speech It's either a man or a woman, video or live, every single time. And the reason why they have to give this speech, I think it's mainly for moms. It's about the oxygen masks. Because they know how how moms work. And they they, they say this every single time. Listen, if if we lose oxygen in this plane, the masks are going to drop and your tendency is going to be to help your loved ones get their mask on. And he says, don't do it. You will die and be of no help to anyone. The first thing you need to do is take care of yourself. You need to get your own mask on. You need to breathe. Now you will be free to help everybody else. But you're going to have to go against your natural inclination, mom, to help everybody else, take care of everybody else while you die. Now here's the words of Jesus. 
If anyone, this is John chapter 7, 37 through 39. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This, this, he spoke of the Holy Spirit. It seems counterintuitive, but the greatest thing you can do for your family is bring your own thirst to Jesus and drink yourself. When you drink spiritually, rivers will start flowing for those that are around you. Here's the problem. If you don't drink yourself, then what, what you try to do for everybody else is going to be out of fear. It's going to be out of uh, a, a, a sen- your own sense of insecurity. You're going to try to do that. And what, what, it's, what it's taken as is manipulation. Like you're bossy, you're naggy, and you're manipulative. And no one wants to be your project. No one wants to be manipulated. No one wants to be told what to do. You drink yourself first, and your influence will be like a river flowing. Instead of forced, instead of you trying so hard to get them to do the right thing, you drink yourself and God will start influencing those around you like a river flowing. This is, this is how, what God wants to do for moms. All right, could we stand together? I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm gonna ha- I'm, we're going to do a couple things. Worship team can come. Here's the first one. I want to pray for every woman in this place who wants to be a mom, but there's a problem. You don't have a husband yet. (laughs) You, You need to find the right guy to be a mom. And you've already prayed about it. And you've cried about it. And you need God to, to link you up to find a godly man so that you can be not just a wife, but also a mother. It's my privilege today. I'm going to pray for that group. Here's the other group I want to pray for at the same time. You are married. You found the guy, but you haven't been able to conceive. Maybe, maybe you've had miscarriages. Maybe the doctors have said you're barren and you can't. Maybe you're in the midst of taking tests and you want to be a mom, but you simply can't listen all the way through Scripture there are so many answers to prayer where people can't conceive and God heals them so that they can conceive. And so I want to pray for you. Um, in the story of Hannah with Samuel, Hannah could not conceive. And she was praying and Eli came alongside her prayer. A priest came alongside and prayed alongside her. And that's who, who I want to be today. Because I know if you prayed about this a lot, it's, it's painful to even pray again. Jesus says, listen, don't give up on me and don't give up on your prayers. So if we could have every head bowed and every eye closed, because I don't want this, I don't want this to be anybody looking around or um, if you are either one of those women, either the woman that wants to be a mom and needs a husband or the woman that has a husband but can't conceive, would you just open your arms before the Lord? I I just think God wants to do something very special for you. Lord, you know all of the pain and all of the tears in this room. You've collected them. And Lord, we could lose heart and just say, no, it's not going to happen. We refuse to because you're so good and so able. So, Father, I pray for every one of these women that is wanting a godly husband so she can have children and, 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 and be a godly mother. I pray right now, God, that you would set up Isaac, Rachel, or Isaac, Rebecca meetings, supernatural meetings that are of God that put a man and a woman together and everybody recognizes, oh, my, this was God that put this together. This is God's person for me. God, would you do that? Would you put that in motion even now while we're praying right now? And then, Father, I pray for every mom that has either been barren or has has had miscarriages and wants to have children. Lord, I'm just asking that you would heal wombs right now. 
that you would heal whatever has been wrong, whatever hasn't worked, would you come and supernaturally heal these precious women, I pray, in Jesus' name. The second group I want to pray for are moms. Come on, if you are a mom, would you come to the front? We've got a lot of space down here. Please come out of the balcony as well. We're going to pray. I've got something very special that I want to pray for moms. I believe it is the Lord. He wants to do something for moms as we close this service. So moms, come on down. And, and, and if you're in the first group, if you wouldn't mind coming all the way to the front so that I want to see all the moms. I want to see all the faces. And I want to tell you, I want to, I want to, I want to tell you something. Okay, keep coming, moms. There's room, there's room down here. So if you guys come up, there's more room up there. I am not going to tell you the experience that I had. I'm just going to tell you what God spoke to me through the experience. Here's, here, here's the word of the Lord. The strategy of the, of the enemy is to wear you out over a long period of time. Here's the main strategy of the enemy, just to wear you out. Wear you out with anxiety, wear you out with trouble, wear you out with stuff. Just just tire you out, just exhaust you. You and I become vulnerable when we're tired, when we are worn out. And so the enemy just tries to get so many plates spinning and so many anxieties and so many things you can't control. And just, he wants to wear you out. He just wants to beat you down and wear you out. That's the, that's the strategy of the enemy. And here's the strategy of the Lord. The strat- God's got a strategy to counter the strategy. Here's what it is. He wants to refresh you over a long period of time. And he wants to do it in two ways. First, he wants to teach you how to drink. See, part of the problem is you can come to church and not drink. You can read your Bible and not drink. You... Church can be one of the things that's wearing you out. It can be one more thing you're not you're failing at. One more thing that I'm not doing this enough or that enough or that enough. And church and church responsibility and your ministry can actually be one of the things you and I have to drink from Jesus. He wants to teach you how to drink from his presence. Then here's the second thing he wants to do. He wants to cause you to be addicted to his presence. See, once there's an addiction, you just keep coming back. You, nobody has to tell you to come back. You have to come back. You want to come back. It's easy. It's easy to drink when you have become addicted. Friends, this is the one addiction that you were created for. Every other addiction will reduce your life. Every other addiction will take away all the other things in your life. This is the one addiction where the spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. When when this is your addiction, you can actually enjoy everything else because you've got the main event. You've got the main event happening. So here's what I want to do, moms. I want you, if you want mine, just close your eyes and open your arms right now. Jesus said he wanted to give a drink today to moms. So here's how we start. We just get really honest with everything that's been wearing us out. We give him our anxiety. We give him our hardship. We give him our health. We give him our future. We give him every, everything that's been wearing us out. We just say, Jesus, here I am. I'm tired. I'm tired. And I'm coming. I'm coming to you, Jesus. I'm locked in with you right now, Jesus. I need you yourself, Jesus, right now. I'm giving you my thirst. I'm acknowledging you're the one I need. Now give me a drink, Lord. Give me a drink of your presence. Fill. Holy Spirit, would you come? Come like you came in the book of Acts. Come like a rushing mighty wind. Come, come. Pour out like rain all over the hearts of your beloved bride. Lord, I pray for healing over their emotions. Healing over everything that's beat them down. I break every lie of the devil that has, has beat them down. Lord, these are your beloved. You are for them, not against them. There is not judgment over them. There is grace and mercy over them. 
drink, drink, drink. Holy Spirit, more, 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 more. And then, Father, right now, right now, we give you every one of their children, every one of their grandchildren, every one of their great-grandchildren. I want you to just see Jesus smiling at them while they're on that treadmill. Jesus has them. Jesus has them because you gave them to him. They are going to be his. They might not be his tomorrow, but they're going to be his. And we give you everyone that we're concerned about, everyone we're worried about. We give them to you, Jesus. We give them to you, Jesus. Lord, right now I give you every bill that's unpaid. I give you every pain that has been hurting them and distracting them. I give you every diagnosis that's been over their future, either financial or physical. And Lord, in Jesus' name, we give them all to you right now. You love them. I release the love of God. Be the beloved. You're the beloved. Receive the love of God. I break all fear. I cast out all fear. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. He loved me and gave himself up for me. Lord, would you personalize the cross? Please, Jesus. Please, Jesus, for every one of your beloved. Please, Jesus, come. Fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us up. I break the heavy burden in Jesus' name. And then, Father, I release... I release over your women an addiction to being close to you, an addiction to your presence. I must be with Jesus every day. I must be with him. Lord, anybody that was like my mom was, they're not talking to you right now because they're mad at you. Lord, in Jesus' name, let's make peace today. You need to make peace with God. He loves you. He's good. He's always good. Why did the bad thing happen? I don't know. I don't know. We'll know one day. But we just, you can't, you can't stop drinking because bad things happened. Because Jesus is always the answer. So Lord, bless your moms. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, socially. Lord, I lift up all over this place spiritual moms that are not moms in the natural, but they are caring for people all over the place. This world desperately needs spiritual moms. I pray for these moms that maybe their own kids won't let them mother them, but God is giving you people that you need to mother, that desperately need your mothering. And and God wants you to give that generously because he's put this in you. Lord, in Jesus' name, raise up spiritual mothers in Israel. Raise up spiritual mothers in this hour, God. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can we give a round of applause for these moms? Hallelujah. All right, now here's how... If you did not get your little mother bookmark, make sure that you get it. They're at at both of the, uh, where you get the bulletin and the tables on the way out. Make sure you get that. And this is for all women. All women, all moms, and all adult women, 18 or over, make sure you get that. If you didn't get it on the way in, get it on the way out. And then before we're dismissed here, I want every mom to hug two or three other moms. And then God bless you guys. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great day.